0: Okay, you guys know if you've been hanging around our church for the last couple weeks that we've been going through the book of Acts verse by verse. Yes, now we finished Acts 1 last week. So it would logically follow that this week we would begin Acts 2, But, you know, I got thinking about it this week, and I was looking at Acts 2, and I thought to myself, you know what? There's, like, really not that much in there. Maybe, like, maybe we'll just skip it, and we'll go on to something else. We'll do a sermon series in the book of Second Hesitations or something. Somebody ought to have hit the big red X on me right there and cut my mic off and pulled the trap door out from under me, just saying, Okay. I cannot do justice to Acts 2 by my words of telling you how awesome it is. It is it is look I strain to even find the words for it. Where would I begin? It's amazing. It is powerful. It is impactful. It is super relevant for our lives today. I literally could not I could not stress this enough and I'm not exaggerating enough as my feet are just about to pick up off the floor. Acts 2 is one of the most significant chapters in the whole Bible. The whole book, here it is. It's amazing. And the bomb is starting to go off this morning. We're going to take three weeks in Acts chapter 2 alone. Because it's that important. It's that significant. Have I sold Acts 2 well enough for you this morning? Okay, grab your Bible there and turn there. Acts chapter 2. You're going to see that I'm telling the truth now. This is not fluff. This is not just some old book. This is the Word of God, and God's going to do something in His Word over the next few weeks. I'm warning you right here, okay? I'm just telling you ahead of time. Acts chapter 2. Let's read the first four verses together. Okay, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They We have to rewind to chapter one. They are the believers that it's talking about here. There's about 120 believers in Jesus at this point. They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is the beginning of it all right here. In Acts chapter one, you remember, it all starts from Jesus is alive, right? He died on the cross in our place for our sins to pay for our unrighteousness. Jesus dealt with all of that on the cross. He died and was buried. But on the third day, he rose again. He conquered the grave. He's the boss. He's the man. He's powerful. He's awesome. Jesus then ascended into heaven. We read that in Acts chapter one. And then he said to his disciples, to these followers of his, he says, now wait. We talked about the waiting last week. And here is the end of the waiting. The Holy Spirit has come. Somebody say, the Holy Spirit has come. That is what is happening in Acts chapter 2. Oh my word, I literally don't have the words, help me today, Lord. Let's just pick away at this this morning. First of all, I wanna say this. Acts chapter two is about the coming of the spirit. It's about God moving. How many of you know that God is not just dead or a doormat or irrelevant or some figure from the past? How many of you know that God is a God who moves and he works and he acts, okay? Well, this is what he's doing here in Acts chapter two. God moves. And what I wanna just say right off the bat is you and I cannot force God to do anything, okay? He's God, you're not. He's here, you're somewhere here, down in the basement maybe, right? We can't force him to do anything. Matter of fact, the Bible says our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. He calls the shots, not you. So right away, if you've come in this morning thinking that the world revolves around you, let me just like pop that bubble for you. It does not. You are not the center of the universe. There is a center of the universe and his name is Jesus and he does what he wants. With me so far? That being said... There are things, we have the conviction as Christians that there are things that we can do to position ourselves to see God move. So we can't force him. It's not just, well, do this activity or, or follow this formula or sing some chant and God will have to show up like you've summoned him like the genie out of the bottle. No, but God loves us. God loves his people. And God does not want to withhold any good thing from us. So when he sees us acting in certain ways and doing certain things and having a certain heart, God is compelled to move. He wants to move. He loves to move because he loves us. Amen? And so there are things that we can do to usher in the move of God. Again, not to force him, but things like when we worship. That When we just pour our hearts out and worship, God sees that and he says, that's the kind of heart that I'll respond to. When we pray, the Bible says that God moves when we pray. When we do things like fasting or engage in other spiritual disciplines, these are things that can pave the way for the move of God. And I don't want to stand up here and give you an exhaustive list. I want to just focus on the one that we see here in Acts chapter 2. One of the things that these people did to usher in and pave the way for God to move is that they were together you see that in verse one? They were all together in one place. Yes, your individual walk is important. How many of you know that? Like what you do on your own by yourself as it pertains to your faith, it's important. Of course it is. You should be going to that secret place yourself. You should be investing and pouring into your faith when no one else is around or watching, when it's just between you and the Lord. But you can never, ever forget or forsake the importance of this, togetherness, the church being one, the church being unified. We're not to forsake the assembly of the saints. We got to be together. This is something that God loves. And even though, yes, you're doing things on your own, it's happening under the umbrella of you're part of the church, you're part of the body, you're part of this greater thing called the capital C church. It's like in sports, You know, I'm a hockey fan. Hockey players go out on the ice. They individually all skate around. They individually collect all their stats. And if you're a Leafs fan like me, there was a lot of minuses last night. Didn't go so well for us. Don't know why I said that. But anyway, it's just a little bit part therapy session for me, I guess. Anyway, they make their individual plays. But at the end of the day, none of that matters if the team doesn't win. It's all about the team, the the greater thing, the togetherness, the unity there. And I wanna just tell you this morning that when the church is together, when the church is gathering, where community is a priority, where relationships are a priority, this is something that could position us to see God move just like we see here in Acts 2. And again, this is not religious. This is not me just saying, okay, all you gotta do is just show up on Sunday to an event and you check off the box, there I did it, now God will have to show up. No, I think you get my drift, eh, not how it works. But it's a heart thing. When God sees your heart and my heart and our heart as longing to be together and longing uh, just to, to draw near to God and to each other, and worship together and seek the Lord together, when our hearts are open to love God and love each other together, I'm saying this is something that moves the heart of God. We see it all through Scripture. I just wanna say that God could have moved any way that he wanted to here in Acts chapter two. God could have sent his spirit in any way that he wanted to, but he waited until they were together. I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit because you're here But it's imperative that you and I are engaged in the life of a church body. It's not a solo act. It's not just you and Jesus in a cabin in the woods. We all need this. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. Some of you hesitated, but I promise you need them. Okay? I promise it. God moved when they were together. And this move of God in Acts 2, again, I just strain to even capture how significant this is. God moved by sending his spirit, the Holy Spirit. This is one of the biggest move of God in the Bible. It's one of the biggest moves of God in literally the history of the church, literally in the history of the world. That begins to describe how significant this is. So, it's the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. He's going to be a very major character in the book of Acts. And what I want to do for refresher, slash, if you're new to all of this, you can learn this for the first time. I want to just vamp on the Holy Spirit for a few minutes. I want to tell you eight things about the Holy Spirit. Can you handle eight things? You know we're doing it anyway, right? Okay. Number one is this the Holy Spirit is God. Somebody say, He's God. Our God exists, Sorry, someone said, he God, I like that, nice touch. Our God exists in three parts, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. We don't have three different gods, we have one God. First of all, this means that the Holy Spirit then is not just an it or some impersonal force, he's a personal God, he's a he We don't talk about the Holy Spirit like an it. It's a he, a person. And another thing is this. This means the Holy Spirit's always been around too, right? God has always existed from eternity past. Everything that we see and we know has been created at some point by God. But God, Father, Son, and Spirit existed long before that. Matter of fact, if you read the very first page of your Bible, well, not like the table of contents, but like the first page of Scripture in your Bible, Thank you for laughing at that. I thought that was kind of funny. Anyway, if you read the first Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it's literally the second verse in the Bible. It says that God is creating the heavens and the earth, and then it makes care to mention that the Spirit was there hovering over the waters. Spirit was there before and at creation. Only God was there before and at creation. The Spirit is God, one of the parts of the Trinity, the Godhead. The second thing about the Holy Spirit is this He was sent. By Jesus. Who was he sent by? Jesus. John 15:26, you can see it on the screen. Jesus said this when the helper comes, that's talking about the Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father. John 16:7, similar thing. Jesus said it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, what does it say? I will send him to you. So the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus, right? This means we can't forget about the importance of Jesus in all of this. It's all about Jesus. It all comes right back to Jesus. And this new era of the Holy Spirit being in the world uh, and in people, which we'll talk about in a minute, this was all ushered in by the person and the work of Jesus right this had to happen kind of in this order jesus had to die and he had to rise and then he had to ascend into heaven and then he could send the spirit and that's exactly what we see happening in the book of acts the third thing about the holy spirit is this he comes to dwell in people who are christians people who believe in and belong to jesus now again the spirit has always been around he's not a new thing Even in like the Old Testament, for example, you will read that it'll say something like, then the Spirit of God rushed upon this person as though they didn't really have it, but then whoosh, they had it for a while, and then they didn't after a while. That's kind of how the Old Testament reads as it pertains to the Holy Spirit. But here in Acts chapter two, this is the ushering in of a new era. This is a new thing. People who believe in Jesus... Who repent of their sin and acknowledge their need to be saved. Yes, I I was made by God and for God to have a relationship with God and be close to God, but I've sinned. I've broken trust with God, broken faith with God, broken relationship with God. Where where, where God is, sin cannot be, so I can't just waltz into his presence and have this relationship on my own because I'm a sinner. When you realize that, but then you realize too that Jesus loves you and he died for you to pay for all of your sins, to pay for all of your shortcomings that he died in your place and that he rose in victory to give you hope and to give you freedom when you understand this and when you surrender your life to Jesus and turn repent from of your sin and say I have been doing my own thing but I need to be saved and forgiven and I want to walk with you Jesus for the rest of my life anybody in this room done that Christians that should be a lot of hands going up thank you when we do this the Bible says that we are saved. If you believe in and belong to Jesus and you have surrendered your life to him and he is your Lord and your savior, you are saved. And therefore, you have the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in Acts 2.38, which we'll get to, I think, next week. I think it's next week. Sometime in the next couple of weeks. Acts chapter two, large, a lot of stuff. Anyway, when, Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian, by default, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And this is echoed all throughout the New Testament. It says uh, in Romans 8.9, Romans 8.11, 1 Corinthians 6.19, 1 Corinthians 3.16, John 14.17, even Ezekiel 37.27 from the Old Testament all talk about the Spirit of God dwelling in us. It's not just that God is out there. But as a believer, God is in here. Yes, we literally believe this as Christians. God, the Holy Spirit, dwells and resides in us. That means that he's always with us. The presence and the power of God, if you are a Christian, is always with you and in you. It means that you can always be close to God. He's never far away. And I'll just remind you the whole purpose of your life is to be close to God and have a relationship with God and honor God and worship God. So now by the Spirit of God living in you, that's made possible. Is that cool? All right, good. The fourth thing about the Holy Spirit is this. I like this. He brings freedom. Somebody say freedom. See where I got that from? 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, say it again, freedom. Now, that's a little bit of a blanket statement and it is so on purpose. This is true for You, If you're like a new Christian, for instance, and you just got saved, or even if you're not, even if you're a long-time Christian, this verse right here is true in the sense that you are now free from the effects of sin in your life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but if you have given yourself to Jesus and been saved by Jesus, and therefore you have the Spirit of God living in you, the effects of that physical and spiritual death don't have any power over you. Yes, unless Jesus comes back first, you're going to die in this world but but then you're going to go and to be in the presence of the Lord you're going to live forever. It's going to be really good. Hint hint. And so there's freedom in that sense. By the Spirit. But it's not only just a freedom that comes at salvation and that's it. This freedom is comprehensive. And again, blanket statement, but, but this is telling me right here that if you and I are in bondage in some way in our lives, we're just being dogged by something and, and haunted and hounded by something and, and, and brought low, like an, just like a chain and a, a, an anchor around your foot that's dragging you down. Listen to me, the answer is not just try harder, suck it up, buttercup. Not helpful, right? The answer is not to self-medicate either and just look to your own vices and devices to try to make yourself feel better and feel free. No, the answer lies in the presence and the power of God by His Spirit where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Not there might be freedom or there conceivably could be freedom. There is freedom. I wonder, do you feel free in your life today? If so, that's why. If not, that's what you need. Freedom. I just... Let that sink in for a second. I'm literally gonna sit down. I don't ever do this. I'm literally gonna sit down for a minute and you can just think about that for a second. Freedom in the Holy Spirit. Lord, okay. Lord, (laughs) I was not planning to stop here, but Lord, I don't know. There's something in that verse that we need to hear today. I pray, Lord, that we would not just be hearers of the word. Oh, yeah, I see 2 Corinthians 3 on the screen. Lord, let this sink into our hearts. I I am really strongly sensing right now that there are people in this room who have not had a whiff of freedom in years. And I'm even talking to Christians. Lord, I don't really know what to do with that this morning other than to say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, fill us. Break away that fear. Break away that bondage. Lord, we just, we just come to you. And I pray that if we don't feel free and we aren't experiencing freedom and we don't even know why, I pray, Lord, that even now as we're gathered, you would point that out to us. Just like, let us have that one. If you wouldn't mind, that would be awesome. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Because we wanna be free. You wanna be free today? All right. Something's going on with that one. Okay, we're gonna sit on that one for a while. But let me move on for now. Freedom. Number five, oh, I should say this before I move on. Where the spirit is, there is freedom. That doesn't mean that God always heals you or delivers you exactly the way you want, by the way. This is not just the name it, claim it, prosperity gospel. If you just believe in Jesus, all the bad things in your life go away. No, they don't. But you can still be free. You can still know the peace and the power and the presence of God in your life. Oh, man, I don't know if I'm gonna need to do another sermon on that through the week this week, but I gotta move on. Freedom. Some of you are staring at me like I'm nuts, and you're not completely unjustified in doing that, but I'm just saying, I know that I'm right. I know I'm right in here today. Okay. Anyway, unsidebar, number five, the Holy Spirit, he teaches us. Somebody say he teaches us. John 14, 26, Jesus said, the Spirit will teach you all things. Teach you all things particularly things needed for life and for godliness to live the life that God wants you to live. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not just interested in transferring information to you. Information is great. We need to know stuff. But this word teach right here doesn't just mean head knowledge. It means a heart connection as well. He's going to teach it. He's going to instill it in you. Again, that means the Holy Spirit does not care just about you Acquiring information in your head. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is bring forth transformation in your heart and in your soul. That's the Spirit of God living in you. Number six, the Holy Spirit helps us. That's good news for me, okay? Just saying. In John 14, 16, he's called our helper. Again, intentionally left pretty vague. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit will help you in this particular way and this way only. No, it says he will help us. I don't know what you need help with in your life, but I'm telling you that the Spirit of God is ready, willing, and able to help you with that. Whatever it is, the the, the principle is there. When you need help, God wants to help you, and God's Spirit helps you. Is this this landing, heads nodding? Are you with me still? Okay, number seven is this. The Holy Spirit guides us. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. This is truth about God, truth about yourself, truth about life, truth about what God's will is for you in your life. This means that when you are facing uncertainty in your life, or maybe you've got an open ended decision, or you can't see what comes next in your life, the Holy Spirit is ready and willing and able to guide you. I know that you would like to think you have a great deal of control over your life. I'm going to get my pin out again and get ready to pop something here. We all like to think we're in control. Let me just like spoil that for you. You don't have control over very much. And the way it is in life, we walk by faith and not always by sight, right? Sometimes, more often than we think, we have one of these in front of our face. You can see one step ahead of you. I can see to right here. I can't see any of you guys. But I'm not going to step off of here. Don't worry. But anyway, God knows the whole plan. So when we say, no, Lord, get out of here. I'm gonna navigate this myself. Well, what you're doing is you're trying to navigate a minefield with a blindfold on. And I'll say this not very pastorally, but that's super dumb. That's really dumb when we do that. But versus, you know, when we trust in the Lord and we say, okay, Holy Spirit, I I want you to guide me. Well, again, he sees the whole thing. And he can guide and direct their steps. The Bible literally says that God can establish your steps. That's a lot better than staggering through the minefield and getting blown up every two steps. Just Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, just saying. And oh, it also says in John 16, 8, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So he also guides us like in the right and wrong. Y- you need to know today there is such a thing as objective truth. It's not just make your own truth or you know, I'm gonna do my own thing and truth is relative and subjective. No, it's not. That's a load of garbage if you believe that. There is truth. It proceeds from God and the Holy Spirit wants to guide us into that. And the eighth thing about the Holy Spirit, this is just like a summary one. The Holy Spirit directs and points us to Jesus. Who does he direct and point us to? Jesus. Jesus. I love John 15, 26. It says, when the Spirit comes... Look at the end. He will bear witness about me. Jesus said that right there. The spirit will bear witness about him. It talks about that in, in 1 John chapter 4, I believe it is as well. Any spirit that comes and claims that Jesus is Lord is from God. And any spirit that comes along and says that Jesus is not Lord, it's not from God. In other words ultimately at a high level, what the Spirit does is this is where he points us, straight to Jesus. And you say, well, why would he point us to Jesus? Well, I'll just remind you, that's where the life is. That's where the freedom is. That's where the, that's where the peace is. That's where your purpose is found. It's in Jesus. That's where your hope comes from and your joy comes from. It's from Jesus. It's not in the world. It comes from Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit continually points like a big signpost to Jesus. Because He literally, this is like just a churchy thing to say, but it's true. Jesus literally is the answer. He's literally what you need. And the Spirit points us at that. It's kind of like this. If you drive a newer car, maybe you have this feature in your car called lane assist. The, just saying the car I drove in here today is 19 years old, it does not have lane assist. Okay? But maybe some of yours do. You're driving down the road, and it's this feature that, you know, as we're prone to do sometimes, not any of you, you're all great drivers. I've seen you. But sometimes you're driving down the highway, and you get thinking about, what am I gonna do when I get home? What am I gonna make for supper? Whatever it is. And we kind of start drifting. And you literally might start to drift this way or this way. But the lane assist in your new car when you start to do this, it'll literally, it'll correct you back into the lane you're supposed to properly be going in. It won't let you drive off into the ditch. The Holy Spirit is like that. When we start to take our eyes off of Jesus and put them somewhere else, he points us there again. When we start to do it again, points us right back to Jesus. That is at a high level, the work of the Spirit, all about getting us closer to Jesus. Everybody take a breath. I told you we were going someplace today. Right? You thought you were just gonna come sit in a seat. No, we're going somewhere, friends. All of these things that the Holy Spirit is and does, these are critical to the life that Jesus offers us. And again, I will tell you, these things, right, the life that Jesus has, your ability to live it, it does not come from within yourself, in and of yourself. It does certainly not come from the world. It does not come from religion. It's not just, oh, well, inspiration, like, you know, when you look at a painting and feel all the feels. No. What we need in order to live the life God created us to live is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Can we just agree on that this morning? Somebody say, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And again, Acts chapter two is the beginning. It's the coming. It's the starting of this new era, this spirit era of what God is doing and what he wants to do in the world. It is not possible to live the life that God created you to live without the spirit, but with the spirit of God living in you, it's not only possible, it's right there. It's fully possible. So I think it would be appropriate now if we just honored the Holy Spirit in this place today. Please, let's give thanks to God for the spirit. Now, that was just my intro, friends. Now, here in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit comes, it was noticeable, right? You can see it very clearly. If you go back to the text right here, yeah, yeah, yeah. It says, when the Spirit came, there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. By the way, that word wind can also be translated to the word breath, and it can also be translated to the word spirit. What that word wind is doing, it's reminding us of the presence of God. This is God. This isn't the windstorm blew through. This is God showed up. God's presence is there. It says that divided tongues as of fire appeared to them. Again, I think in my human brain, I strain and I struggle to picture that. I mean, I believe it. I have no issue with it or anything. But just imagine what that would have looked like. It's noticeable. It's obvious. It appeared to them. It wasn't just an illusion or or they're in some trance or something. No, he appeared. Fire, by the way, is important. Fire in the scriptures often references something being purified or something being refined, or or, or the, the old and useless being burned away, it often references preparation, getting prepared for something. So here, right, the fire showing up, he's preparing God's people for something. And I think it's interesting, too, that it says it's tongues of fire. The tongue is in your, not a trick question, it's in your Mouth. Someone's like, I don't want to speak up in case I get this wrong. Yes, last time I checked, our tongues are in our mouth. That's where they are, that's where they belong. Now, notice here your tongue, the mouth. That's like your words, the things that you say. And remember the fire, the the, pre- the preparation and the, and the getting ready for and the refining, right? This is a reference to the mission that God's people have been given to go and to testify and to witness about Jesus. He's preparing their speech to go out and be effective in pointing people to Jesus. I love that. And then it says they began speaking in other tongues. Some of you are like awesome. Some of you are like, I think I hear my car alarm going off and I have to go check it. We'll talk about that more in the coming weeks. But yeah, this is literally a miracle right here. This is not these guys and and girls were bilingual or multilingual and, well, they could just call on command. I'll start speaking Italian and then French and whatever. This is literally a miracle. They didn't know these languages. Again, this is not like, okay, some of you have had this experience. You've moved to New Brunswick from another province in the last couple of years, right? We speak English for the most part in St. John, and you maybe came from Ontario where they also speak English, but you've had to learn the New Brunswick dialect, right? Like here, we say things like uptown. Instead, it's like, you don't go downtown in St. John. Like, what are you, from away? Like, come on. Or, or some people will say like, oh, I was out in the dooryard, and it's... What's a dooryard? You have just a door out in your yard? Like, these are New Brunswick things. But this isn't even what I'm talking about. This is an entirely different language, not just a regional dialect, a different language that they didn't know how to speak. Supernatural miracle. It's powerful. It's noticeable. It's obvious. And then it says here that these people were filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. The presence and the power of God literally changed them from the inside out. Somebody say, that's pretty cool. Well, here's the good news for you. It's not just for them either. God wants to fill us with his spirit too. Because guess what? Acts is not just a story of something happened 2,000 years ago. It's a story of what's still happening and what God still wants to do. This definitely involves you too. And I want you to know, God wants you to be filled with his spirit. God actually wants that. It says in Ephesians 5.19, to be filled with the spirit. God wants that. That's God's will for us. So I wanna just kick that around for a few minutes too then. We gotta be filled by the Spirit. First of all, you need to know this. There is a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit for the first time and being filled by the Spirit ongoing. Now, both of them are good. I'm not saying one is better than the other or anything. But again, when you become a Christian, when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you are born again and set free and saved by Jesus, we already talked about this, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God, God the Holy Spirit comes to set up shop and dwell in your life and he never leaves. Isn't that cool? He just comes and he doesn't leave. And he, the Holy Spirit, living in you as a Christian, he is the seal and the guarantee of your salvation. He's always there. You can't lose him, right? You can't, much the same as you can't lose your salvation, you can't lose the Holy Spirit that you have received. So someone give me a thumbs up if you're understanding. That's good. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, okay? But being filled by the Spirit is something slightly different. It's not just the one-time event, and it's not automatically a given for you as a Christian. Again, having the Holy Spirit, it's default. It's a given. But to be filled by the Spirit, a little different. It is possible for you as a Christian to have the Holy Spirit but not be filled by the Spirit. What I mean by that is it's possible for you to lapse into sin and, and take your eyes off the Lord, and that, what that's gonna do is that's gonna quench and grieve the Spirit right? He's not gonna force himself onto you. So if you're just off doing your own thing, even though you're a Christian, you're saved, praise the Lord, you're not filled by the Spirit in that moment. Sometimes we're not yielding to the Spirit. Sometimes we're not asking to be filled by the Spirit. And here's what I want to just pose to you today, a working definition of being filled by the Holy Spirit. It's this. It's to allow the Holy Spirit to occupy your life in such a way that exceptional Things of God happen. I'll say that again. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means to allow the Holy Spirit to occupy your life in such a way that exceptional things of God happen. And let's not give an exhaustive list on that. That could be an exceptional awareness of God, exceptional boldness, exceptional ministry in your life, exceptional period of growth in your life, exceptional love for God. You're like, I don't know what happened. I just like love the Lord right now. Or maybe love for other people or exceptional breakthrough or exceptional hunger and thirst for God or exceptional closeness to God. These are all things and more that can happen when you are filled with the Spirit. And I will say this to you, to be filled by the Spirit, this happens when we surrender, when we give ourselves completely to God, when we invite the Lord and allow the Lord to occupy our lives and to lead us and to direct us. Now, this doesn't mean, by the way, that you just lose control of all your faculties, right? We've all seen the wildly blown out of proportion things on TV or wherever that, oh, To be filled by the Spirit means I'm like rolling around on the floor and foaming at the mouth and like doing the thing, you know, the guy in ACDC used to do where he'd lay on the floor and like run and go around in circles. Come on. That's not what it means. You still have control over your faculties and your senses. But again, it's to allow the Lord, right? You can still breathe and walk and talk and make decisions for yourself, but it's that the presence of the Lord is so strongly in your life because you've let go of the reins and you've said, Lord, I wanna just be filled by your spirit and I want you to lead and I want you to guide and I just need you in my life. Then you're in a position of humility. Not up here on the soapbox, like I'm gonna tell God what to do. It's Lord, here I am. Surrender use me, fill me, send me, direct me, strengthen me, whatever that looks like, happens from that place of surrender. And I wanna submit this to you as well. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit as a Christian, it can happen in really obvious ways, such as what we see in Acts chapter two, right? The tongues of fire and the the mighty rushing wind and, and they're speaking in other languages, all these things. When you're filled with the Spirit, it can just hit you, wham, like a ton of bricks, obvious there can be signs and wonders there can be visions there can be miracles there can be healings there can be all sorts of things praise the lord for these these are all good things but i want to submit to you as well that when you're filled with the spirit sometimes it happens a little more subtly it happens maybe in more quiet ways if you will like in those small moments where you hear the still small voice of the lord in those little decisions where you're able to, you know, maybe I make a wrong decision in this area usually, but for somehow today, I was able to just walk away from that. I'm saying that these things are also from the Spirit. And even though they're not the big, powerful, written in Acts chapter two kind of things, he still deserves the credit. I'll say this as well. Being filled with the Holy Spirit usually is not a permanent state for believers either for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's not just really how life works. Life is not always on the mountaintop. I'm just so full of every good thing all the time. You guys know life is seasonal and cyclical. Sometimes you're on the mountain, sometimes you're in the valley, sometimes you're on the plain, somewhere in the middle. Also, though, what can happen is that we can start to take our eyes off the Lord. You know, you may have been filled with the Spirit once and, and the Lord was really doing things in you and to you and through you, but then you started looking somewhere else and you lapsed off into sin. Again, I'll say, God does not force himself on you. If you choose to let go, uh, take your eyes off of him and do your own thing, he'll say, okay, I still love you, I'm still right here, but we lapse into sin. And when we're doing that, we're definitely not able to be filled by the Spirit. But I'm saying that this, this state of being filled by the Spirit, this is something that we ought to be pursuing as Christians. Don't answer out loud. I'm wondering, is that something you're pursuing in your life? Is that something you ever ask for? Is that something that you desire? Lord, fill me with your spirit. It's something that we should pursue. It's something that we should long for. And by God's grace, it's something that we should experience multiple times in our lives. Stick your thumb up if you're still with me. Okay, good. Now, I promise we're going somewhere. This is all just so important. Something else you need to know. There's a difference. We need to differentiate and just kind of compare and contrast a little bit about this specific filling of the Holy Spirit that we read about in Acts 2 and the ongoing principles of being filled by the Holy Spirit in our lives, some people can read acts chapter two here 's what i 'm saying really religiously they 'll say, "Oh well, this exactly what we read in Acts two, one to four, this is how it must look every single time when a person is filled with the spirit. It has to look exactly this way. this is the blueprint. this is the model for us, and what that means is, well, if your experience with the Holy Spirit doesn 't line up exactly in detail with what you read in Acts chapter two, well then you must not have actually had an experience with the Holy Spirit. Some people will even go so far as to say, and we reject this position that if you don't like speak in tongues like these guys did, it means that you aren't filled with the Spirit. Maybe you don't even have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you're not even a Christian. We reject that. We don't buy into that at all. Again, God does what he pleases. The Spirit can move however he wants to move. In fact, Jesus even said in John 3, 8, the Holy Spirit is like a wind that blows. He comes and he goes. You don't know where he came from or where he's going. We don't know the mind of the Lord. He can do whatever he pleases. And this time in Acts chapter 2, Yes, it was the rushing wind and the tongues of fire and speaking different languages, but that doesn't automatically mean it must look like that every single time in our lives. I'll give you a little example from my life. I've said this before, and it's very little, but it was very impactful for me. A number of years ago, and remember, it was a Saturday morning, and as the morning was rolling along, I started to feel sick to my stomach. Just started out, you know how it does, just a little, like, oh, that doesn't feel quite right. It'll probably go away. Well, it didn't go away. It started to just gradually get worse and worse as the day went on. So by mid-afternoon, I'm low, okay? And only at that moment did I decide maybe I should pray about it. And for full disclosure, it was not a very, you know, uber spiritual prayer. It was, Lord, I hate this and I want this to be done. That was my prayer. But I was lying on the couch praying to the Lord. And you know what he said to me? Put on some worship music. Listen to some worship music. I would like to say I obeyed right away. I think I said, no, Lord, I don't need worship music. I need you to fix my stomach. Sometimes I'm a little slow, okay? Anyway, put on some worship music. So eventually I did, fine. And under my breath, I said, I don't know how this is gonna help me, but okay, (laughs) I'll humor you. Put on the worship music. I don't even remember what I was listening to now. It doesn't even matter. And while I was lying there like sick, going into the descent of sickness on my couch, <sighs> the presence of God was just there. And I was, you know what happened? I instantly started bawling, actually, is what I did. I was just crying like, a, like just a little kid, crying. Couldn't stop crying, but it was tears of joy. I, I knew right in that moment, I had just gotten a download of God like loves me. And he, he wants to walk with me. And he saved me. And I owe him so much. And all of these things were just instantly flooded into my brain. That's the spirit of God. In that moment, I felt so close to God. And it's not all about feelings. But my point is, that didn't involve any tongues of fire. That didn't involve any mighty rushing wind. And I'd also, by the way, like to say that it you know, brought immediate healing to my stomach. It didn't. I was violently ill that night, I remember. But I was at peace because of the Holy Spirit, because of the presence of God. So it does not have to look exactly like that every single time. That being said, let's flip the coin around and talk about it on the other side. We also reject the position that some Christians have that is, oh, this stuff in Acts 2, the mighty rushing wind, the tongues of fire, that's all just watch my hands. That's all just a bunch of charismatic hoo-ha and you won't catch me doing any of that. I'm not gonna... Blah, blah, blah. Grow up. Grow up seriously. Come on now. God wants to move. And if God wants to move in your life, why in the world would you want to put a lid on it and say, God, I'll only allow you to move in this way. I'll only allow you to move if it lines up with my peanut-sized brain and my understanding. No offense, sort of. Listen remember, we don't call the shots. Who are you to reject the power of God in your life? Who are you to limit the move of the Spirit? Who are you to tell God he can and can't act a certain way? If you are not used to the supernatural in your life, I'm saying don't, like, that's okay if you've not had experience in that. I didn't for many years, and I'm still, I know about this much, and it's an ocean that I'm swimming in. That's okay. But don't quench the spirit by the smallness of your mind, people. We need to get over ourselves. When the Holy Spirit moves, the kingdom breaks in. The presence and the power of God is tangible. Jesus is exalted, and exceptional things happen. Give me the thumbs up again if you're still with me. Okay, We're beginning our slow descent in right now, but we've got some more to do. Here's the point. It is a tremendous blessing to have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, if you are a Christian, you are blessed. And it's a tremendous blessing to be filled with the Spirit as well. To know that presence and power of God, to to know the empowering of God over your life, to know that God is stretching you and growing you and he's guiding you and he's gonna use you. I'm saying if you are a Christian, you can experience this. If you're not a Christian, you can experience it. But you need to become a Christian. And it's not just, you know, the means to the end or whatever. I'm saying you need Jesus. You need to be saved from your sins. You need to repent and turn to the Lord. Well, today is called today. And as a bonus for doing that, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And then when you have the Holy Spirit, subsequently you can be filled by the Spirit. But this is something, friends, people of God, we need to be pursuing this and asking for this in our lives. This is God's will for us to be filled with his spirit, okay? Okay, the front row got it. The rest of you, I don't know what happened to you. Now, let's move on. I know I'm going long today, but I love you. appreciate your grace. Let me just say this now. Uh, When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not just for you, though. Grab your Bible out again. We're going to read Acts uh, 2, verse 5 to 13. So that's all just happened. The Spirit's come. Awesome, rah, rah, rah. It says, now, verse five, there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Like they're not cultured, worldly, multilingual people. They're just from Galilee, simple folk. But how is it though that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. Please don't make me say those again, okay? Okay. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. You know what that means? They're drunk. These guys are loaded. Don't listen to them. So, as I said a minute ago, it is a tremendous blessing for you to have and be filled with, by the Holy Spirit. It's a blessing for you personally, and we should enjoy that and experience that and seek after that, but it's not just for your own benefit. You'll notice as soon as the Spirit comes in Acts chapter two, immediately the narrative goes out to other people. I'll say it this way. The Holy Spirit does not just want to do something to you internally. He wants to do things through you Externally, it's a both and. And it just so happened, see my hands like this? It just so happened that the city of Jerusalem, that exact moment, that exact day, was filled with people more than it normally would have been. Hmm, that sounds mysterious. I wonder who could have done that. Hmm, I wonder. Because this was, as we already read, this was the day of Pentecost. Somebody say Pentecost. That was one of three major Jewish feasts and festivals on their calendar. It's also known as the Feast of Weeks, if you know your Old Testament festivals. It was one of three yearly trips that Jewish people would make and take to Jerusalem. So it just so happened they're all there making this trip for Pentecost. Almost like the Lord lined it up. Hmm, just maybe. And you'll notice that, right, these... These believers, there were 120 of them, it says in Acts chapter 1. It wasn't just that they received the Spirit and were filled with the Spirit and just stayed inside, right? And had a nice church service, which, by the way, there's zero wrong with. Let's have that together as a church. But they didn't keep it to themselves, it goes out. This is a reminder right here that we can never detach our lives and our experience from the mission that Jesus has given us now, given you as a Christian you are called we've already read this in acts 1 to be a witness for Jesus a billboard that points to Jesus with your whole life at work at school the things you say the way you treat people all of these things should point to Jesus. We won't rehash all that again because we've talked about it. But again, this is a reminder. That mission is going to be front and center for us. This is not the work of the few. This is for all Christians. We all each need to be witnessing for Jesus like this. There is no such thing as a walk with Jesus that's detached from the mission. It's all connected. It's all together. And so what I want to do as I close, I want to just give you four quick things about being filled with the Holy Spirit and how it pertains to other people, not just for you. Number one is this. When you are filled with the Spirit, other people will notice. They're gonna notice. Notice right here, it says, at this sound, the mighty rushing wind and the, and the speaking in the different languages, at this sound, the multitude came together. Simple, but important to note. That's a principle right there. They were filled with the Spirit and other people take notice. Now notice here, this was not because of their own effort. This is not, Braden, if you just try really hard and jump up and down and make enough noise, such as you're doing right now, people will notice. No, the Holy Spirit did the work. God did the work through them and others noticed. The sound did it. And they might not even be able to articulate what was happening. I'm sure the people that watched this didn't go, the Holy Spirit has come. Look what it says. They're bewildered. What in the world? People might not be able to point out what it is in you, but I'm telling you, if you were in that place of being filled with the Spirit of God, people that are close to you, they'll say there's something about you, or there's something different about you. They'll be drawn to it. We see it right there. Number two is this. When you are filled with the Spirit, supernatural things will happen. Again, which other people will notice. All this stuff. Again, I'm not gonna say all those names again. There they are. You can read them. When these guys go out and they speak in all these languages and all these people from all different parts of literally the known world at the time could hear them in their own regional language. It's like, wow, that is supernatural. Somebody say that is supernatural. supernatural. It's a miracle. And again, when these things happen, like this or something other that's powerful. And from the Lord, people notice, and that'll point them to Jesus. They'll see something undeniable happening and go, wow, that doesn't just happen on its own normally. This is is miraculous. This is different. Again, Maybe it's speaking in tongues like here. Maybe it's something different entirely. But I'm saying if you are filled with the Spirit of God, the supernatural things will happen. Maybe it's answered prayer. Maybe it's words of knowledge for people. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's salvation as you open your mouth and share the gospel. People respond to it. Whatever it is, it's going to happen though. And I'll just say this though. Life with Jesus is not just about chasing after the supernatural. It's not like, let's just see how many times we can get Jesus to do his party trick. No, 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 no. These guys are focused on the Lord. These guys are filled with the Spirit, but what follows that is the supernatural, right? We don't obsess over the supernatural, but we expect that it's going to happen as a result of us walking with Jesus and being filled by the Spirit. Jesus is the goal. Being filled with the Spirit is the goal. That's the byproduct. Does that make sense? two more to go. You're doing awesome. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be compelled to testify. Somebody say testify. It says here in verse 11, all these people are speaking in our own languages, and what do we hear them telling? The mighty works of God. Again, we don't want to how it looks when the Spirit moves and the Spirit fills us. But one of the things that can happen when you're filled with the Spirit is that you're going to naturally, uh, actually supernaturally, you're going to want to testify and to share Jesus with people. You won't be able to help having those words come out of your mouth. And I know you say, ha, huh, I don't think so, Braden. You're not gonna catch me out there telling anyone about Jesus and cramming religion down. Ugh, stop. Stop, okay? It's the Spirit of God working through you. Yes, perhaps you lack the strength to go out and be bold and brave and witness about Jesus. The Spirit doesn't lack that strength, though. And if He's filling you, He's working through you, there it is. And by the way, part of testifying about Jesus... Like, it's always the gospel. We need the gospel. It won't go down that road today, really. But like, part of sharing the gospel with people and part of witnessing to people is telling the mighty works of God. Literally, part of your witnessing is telling people, here's what God did in my life. You know what? People have a lot of arguments for God and this theory's wrong and that can't be possible and, you know, religion's a crutch for the weak and all these things. You know what's really hard to argue, though? People's experience, Hey, you can say whatever you want. I know what happened in my life and I know what God did for me and I know that it could only have been him. Powerful. This is what those guys did. Last one is this, and this is an interesting turn, but it's worth noting. When you are filled with the spirit, some people will reject you and dismiss you. I'd love to stand up here and say, so the the result is that if we could just be filled with the Spirit, we'll go out and every person in St. John will see and respond in faith, praise the Lord, everyone will know Jesus. It's not how it works. And it's tragic, but even with powerful signs, even with undeniable things happening by the Spirit of God, there'll be people like this that mock, they're filled with new wine. They won't even consider that it might be God. This happens in our life too. And you know why? It's because it's a narrow path that we walk and that we preach. Yes, everyone needs to know Jesus. But the Bible says, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many are on it. Narrow is the way that leads to salvation. Now, this doesn't change anything for us. This doesn't mean we stop sharing. No, we share. Yes, some people are gonna reject, but some are not gonna reject. Some are gonna accept. Some are gonna believe. And I don't know, man, if I share the gospel a hundred times and one person responds in faith, is it not worth it? So here it is right here. We don't let that stop us at all. And I'll just remind you, Jesus said himself, the fields are white unto harvest. Yes, we live in a post-Christian world where it seems like no one gives a rip about the Lord. But that's not what the Bible says The fields are white. We need workers in the harvest, is what the Bible says. Some are interested. We're gonna see at the end of Acts 2 that 3,000 people get saved on this day. And I'm telling you, I believe that can still happen today. And you and I are a part of that. And you need to see yourself as a part of it. But we need to be filled by the Spirit in order to have any kind of effectiveness in it. Let's close this up. Thank you for your patience today. I'd like to say that next week will be shorter. I can't make that promise. Sorry. Let me say this. I'll say again, Jesus loves you. Jesus has a life for you. It's a full, abundant, wonderful life. Yes, bad things will happen to you, but you can actually live your life close to God and doing the things of God in step with the spirit of god it is amazing and this is what we ought to be chasing after as christians but i'm saying that none of it is possible without the holy spirit so we need the spirit of god to be normalized in our church and in our lives it's not weird oh the holy spirit oh who are these no we need him and we as christians we need to have a desire and a hunger for the holy spirit we need to be asking God to be filled with the Spirit. So I want to leave you with this. I want to challenge you, brothers and sisters. I don't know what your background is and what your experience is and what, frankly, even your comfort level is about the Holy Spirit. Here we are. We know what God can do, we know what God wants from us. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit. I would challenge you to leave the past behind. It's a new year, it's a new day. Let us be a people. I'm literally challenging you to do this, and we're gonna have a chance to do this when I'm done talking very soon. Ask the Lord to be filled with his spirit. God, I want to be filled with the spirit. Maybe you've never prayed that before. Today's the day. This year is the year. And I'm not saying you fake it, but I'm saying it's time to press in past the fear. It's time to press in past the unknown. It's time to press in to the will of God. We need to be filled by the Spirit. We will not accomplish anything as the people of God, as the church of God, if we are not filled with the Spirit. So let's quit messing around. Let's go for this. We know it's God's will for us. But it's a decision you gotta make to humble yourself and surrender to Him and ask for it.